friend, it's Andra Zaharia, and I'm grateful you chose to be my partner in Cyber Empathy today. Journey with me through the lives and minds of people who prioritize connection, curiosity, and kindness in everything they do. Let's find out together how empathy cultivates hope, how it builds resilience, and helps us see how our actions influence others. It's time to unlearn stereotypes and see beyond technology to discover what truly makes our world safer. I'll help you carry over these insights and examples into your everyday practice. Promise. Let's go exploring, shall we? Kind, generous, compassionate, but takes no prisoners when it comes to innovating solutions to solve tricky problems. Danny is a humanist at heart and seeks to understand customer needs to develop strategies that build trust within the community. In other words, if you're seeking quick fix boilerplate solution, Danny's not the person for you. If you want to stand out in a crowded field and truly connect to customers to build sustainable growth, she can get you there. More to the point, Danny's generous with her time. She invests in friends and colleagues, and this in turn compels them to deliver their best. Your best teachers and coaches do this. Danny possesses the same care and attention. Count yourself lucky if you have the chance to work with her. This is a LinkedIn testimonial from today's guest's page. Danny Wolf is one of the people I most admire and look up to in cybersecurity because the work that she's doing is truly contributing to change. Everything this testimonial says is true. I've seen it. I have used her work as inspiration for my own work and talking to her always puts me in a great mood and in a very creative mood as well. So talking to her today was such a pleasure and I can't wait for you to listen what it's like to do customer research in cybersecurity and what it's like to be a bridge builder between cybersecurity practitioners and communication people and find out why she chose to do this in cybersecurity and how she's turning her 13 years of experience from digital marketing into something that is a movement, I'd say. So meet Danny Wolf, enjoy her insights, and I encourage you to discover her work on LinkedIn and beyond. Enjoy. So Danny, I love your counterintuitive approach. I love all of the things that you're doing for this community, your energy, your kindness, your compassion, your consistency, which is absolutely insane and so inspiring to me. And you're doing this. So you're in an industry that's kind of like ablaze with relentless pursuit for growth. And then it's also filled with firefighters who are just trying to keep stuff together, honestly, you advocate for slowing down and opening our hearts in one of your posts, which I really, really loved. How do people in the community respond to that? That's a great question. And first of all, I, I appreciate you bringing me on today. I'm a, a super fan of cyber empathy and of you, of course, and I'm, I'm glad we finally could sit down together to record something and just have a 
an honest and, and organic conversation here. And, and thank you for the validation too. That means a lot to me because at times I do feel like I'm fighting fires, but I know that I'm, I am trying to stay as consistent as possible. And, and to hear that it, it's resonating is empowering to me. So thank you again. How do people respond? There's still some silence. I think people are still processing. There's a lot of work to be done, you know, as you know. There's a lot of change happening in this industry. There's a lot of new technology happening in this industry and, and booming right now. And so a lot of people naturally are, are shifting and changing as well. A lot of perceptions are changing. A lot of behaviors are changing. And so I think there's still a lot of silence and processing going on right now, but I'm eager to see like the next year, how, how that might change. I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'll be more, you know, with that question, I think I will be more perceptive and observant on that particular feedback. Does that make sense? It does. It does so much. And I've heard us having like a, a set of topics that we have a set of topics in common that we, we often bring up in the industry. And I remember that a few years ago, like in 20, 2021, I was part of a panel at a cybersecurity conference and this was an online event and I got like slammed by one of the speakers who said like, we need more rules and more structure and we need to put our foot down more in this industry. We don't need the like the wishy-washy, empathy, compassionate things that, what is this? This is superficial. And he was so, so aggressive with it. And what I saw, so that was like a, like one of the few moments when someone like really bit into me on the topic. But what I've noticed is a lot more silence as well, obviously, besides the people who resonate with what we do and the kind of approach that we have and so on. But I feel like they're sitting with this topic more. I feel like they're creating a bit of space for this topic to go into their lives I see this in the way that people interact with everything that you do with your work and the way you express things and phrase things, the way you articulate your principles. And I think it gives people, myself included, like you do this for me as well, the words to express certain things that, you know, swim around in our heads, but we haven't properly articulated yet. And one of those things is actually the mission before money mindset that oh, I love alliteration, by the way, I love it. So I loved that principle. And I, I was wondering, you know, how it applies to your work, because I know a lot about it, but I bet that listeners would love to hear more about that as well. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just thinking about this particular mindset yesterday night as I was writing a, a little paragraph contribution for for someone's book, which I'm really excited about, by the way. I have it's the first time I'm telling someone I was asked to contribute to, to a book with, about cybersecurity uh, building and buying, which is just absolutely phenomenal. So when that comes out, I'll share it with you. You might, you might really like it and find a lot of what's written there resonating. I do want to say that when someone comes with you at aggress with aggression and requires rules, that approach doesn't necessarily fit with a large percent of the industry, particularly folks who are on the business side. If there's one thing that I learned in interviewing security practitioners, interviewing IT pros, interviewing marketing and sales professionals, is that there's a whole range, a whole spectrum of 
neurodiversity. And leading with empathy is slowing down and understanding, trying to understand different perceptions and behaviors of people allows you to fit different approaches to whom to who you're trying to to resonate with. And so I don't believe in the let's have these rules, let's have an aggressive, let's just like, you know, it's black and it's not black and white. Let's just say that much. We are people at the end of the day. We are very dynamic. We are very different. And when you go with one black and white approach, you risk not resonating with a large percentage of people that you're trying to get through to. So I will just say that about that particular person. So don't feel bad about the quote unquote wishy-washy. If anything, that's going to get you strides ahead of the black and white. So let's go back to your original question, which was, remind me because I went off on a tangent. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. I went off on too many topics at once as well. So, but we're unpacking them one at a time. So my, my question going back to, to these principles of yours of mission before money mindset, I saw it like resonate very powerfully with, with your community, which I'm so, so happy to be a part of. And I was wondering, you know, how it applies to your work, because I've seen your work evolve beautifully over the last years. And um, I'm sure that we're going to go back to its inflection point, not necessarily inception point, but inflection point. That's a great question. And again, back to my original statement, uh, I was thinking about this last night. When I joined the cybersecurity industry, it was in 2018, and it was after, you know, working years in B2B tech. I was working for, you know, different kinds of startups uh, focusing on cloud technology. I worked in, you know, an analytics company for for big pharma and B2B to C company, it, a lot of different technology companies. But I, I didn't feel... I didn't feel like I was really doing something meaningful. Let's just say that much. There's that. And I was also relatively frustrated that I I wasn't growing and I wasn't pushing the boundaries and kind of, you know, massaging my brain per se. I wasn't challenged enough. Felt kind of like nine to five, even though I worked, you know, nine to 12 a.m. in startup world, but it didn't feel meaningful. And so when I was sitting, I was like, okay, well, maybe it's time to, to level up and switch, switch jobs, switch environments. I saw a cybersecurity startup uh, looking to, to hire for, for a marketing programs position. I was like, okay, well, I, I know about this company because we were trying to sell to them. And I know that the cybersecurity industry, there's a lot of technology. I know there are very smart people. And let's learn a little bit more about the, the, the nature of this industry. Like, what are they about? Oh, well, they're about protection. And I'm innately very protective. I'm mama bear. And I, I like to make people feel good. And I like to protect people. I was like, okay, so this kind of resonates with me. And then I was like, maybe there's something behind this working for a company that is actually here to try and act, you know protect the world. That's a little bit more meaningful to try and sell a product that is helping people behind the digital keyboard make an impact on the world. That that to me resonated very much. And, you know, it sounds kind of utopian, but really that's how I felt. And so I was like, this is for me, applied for the job and it was, it got got accepted and I was thrilled. I was thrilled. And when I started, let's just say it was the best marketing school because one, there was a lot to do. You're you're working for a high growth startup who has, you know, expectations of 2x, 3x growth, which to me was not necessarily a first, but I felt it more prominently than before. And not only that, I was tasked to create programs that resonate with very pessimistic, 
very skeptical, skeptical, very hard to reach people. And I'm like, whoa, this is definitely a first. This is not like any other industry that I've worked before. And I've worked with traditional industries. I've worked with, with FinServe, FinTech as well. And I've worked with pharma, as I said, traditional pharma. But this was different. And coming into the industry, I realized more and more it was difficult reaching buyers. So let's talk to them. And in talking to them, what I realized was one theme emerged over and over again. And that theme was a frustration with the industry of a whole because many, as buyers perceive in this industry, are in this industry for purely for the prop, profit and not for the mission of protecting the world. And I'm thinking like, that is absolutely ironic because, I mean, it's ironic given this industry's purpose, isn't it? That irked me as someone who's joining this industry to sell to people, to enable people to do their job well for protection. When I hear that people are are feeling that the industry, most people are in it for the money, it slightly upsets me because what happens with that mindset, with that profit-centric mindset, is what I've experienced. The pressure to prioritize those aggressive and, and short-term financial gains over ethical and sustainable practices. And what that happens, what happens then when you're appeasing investors' profits, you're damaging the customer experience, you're damaging the startup's brand, and you're stifling career growth. It makes my job harder when you come in with that mindset. So I keep saying mission over money because because of that particular challenge and that particular, like that particular challenge, which is just, it, this industry reeks of it. And secondly, because when you lead with the mission before the money, the money will come. And I learned that from buyers. Like if you genuinely care about people and you do things the right way, ethically and sustainably, as I said before, you will see the money. So the profit-centric mindset is counterproductive to actually getting those financial gains that you need in the first place. Ah, you put it so, so well. And this actually brought something in mind for me right now that I've never like articulated this way. But one of the things that makes cybersecurity special, on top of what you mentioned, that it was created to protect people and it's still its, its main purpose one of the other things that makes it special is that this is one of the few industries in which we have this creative tension, this tension between this idealistic approach that some of like the oldest, most important people in the industry have and advocate and teach others and so on and so forth. And that tension is created by this, this let's say, antagonism with the commercial money-driven approach, which happens to almost every industry that it eventually goes into mainstream or becomes like a, a spotlight for investors and the other financial mechanisms. But what's different from other industries, from being a marketer or a salesperson or a communication person in other industries is that you have this tension and this tension is good because there's opposition, there's challenging there's like instead of just accepting that like yeah we're all doing this for the money and this is it and this is just how things are 
how things are or how we want them to be in the cybersecurity industry is different. And although people are pessimistic and sometimes cynical and sometimes just fed up with all the bullshit, they're also still hopeful. And those two things exist in them at the same time. And one kind of alleviates the other, one feeds the other. And this dualism, I feel like, is actually beneficial and can actually keep this industry evolving towards better things, better products, better relationships, better outcomes, instead of just accepting our faith that we're just like a moneymaker for someone else and that's it. Yeah, I do see, especially lately in the past few years, this this budding shift towards what you mentioned, what was it, creative uh, tension, creative tension, which I think is good for the industry. Go-to-market teams are trying, certainly, to shift the way things have been done, which haven't necessarily worked in the past 10, 15 years. So I'm, I'm optimistic that with time, there will be slight improvements in the way things are done in this industry. And that silence that we talked about earlier will start becoming, there will start being more noise and noise towards the resistance, noise towards addressing the resistance and joining the resistance, which will in turn impact those customer experiences for the better. So that's an interesting point that you mentioned, putting it in front of the mirror. Your words and when I listen to you speak or when I have the chance to talk to you, it's so inspiring to sit with with these ideas and go really in depth on them because that's something that you excel at. Like you do not sit on the surface of things. You break them down. You you do like you have this incredible body of research that you've already developed and you keep refining that and making that more accessible and easier for people to use, which is such a gift to have someone, such a generous act to have someone do that for you in the way that you do it. So I see you're you're a change maker in this industry. And as a marketer, as, as, as someone who's so focused on research, I wanted to ask, what do you think the role of marketing is in the cybersecurity space? Because I don't want to call it an industry for the aforementioned <laughs> reasons. But what do you think marketing is supposed to do in this industry? Oh, that is a loaded question. I acknowledge it. <laughs> in this space, it's to create value for, for practitioners and make their lives just a little bit easier. I'm not saying solve all the problems, but in my opinion, I think marketers in this space are here to help guide practitioners towards more practicality and pragmatism in order to keep up with adversaries, not necessarily beat them because there's a ways to go. We're not winning this war, unfortunately, but to to catch up. I don't think we're here to sell. I, I think we're here to empower and arm them with practical advice as much as possible. I think we're here to bi-directionally learn from each other and become those advisors that will help the practitioner do their job a little bit easier. Jobs to be done, let's just say that much, right? I love that framework as well. I'm such a huge fan. I love how you summed it up. And something else that I'd like to like layer on top of that, it also comes from your work and, and from my personal experience as well, is that marketing through the like the way that we do marketing, the vocabulary that we use, everything that we have at our disposal, through our vocabulary and everything else that we use, 
we're giving people ways to communicate with each other better, to unlock those barriers, to calm down those conflicts, to reduce that tension, to show that you can be honest and upfront and transparent and helpful in a way that's not sleazy and that simplifying things and making things easier for the other person doesn't mean dumbing things down or being superficial. It actually can be just helpful because I saw, I've seen from my experience, technical people like equate simplifying things with making them again, superficial with just being shallow and not really staying true to the actual value of things which is to me, like, it's definitely a false resemblance between the two things. And being able to just help people talk to each other in ways that are more meaningful and honest and empathetic, I feel like that's one of the key things that us as communication people, whatever we call ourselves, is something that we can do for the people in this industry and for making their lives a bit easier, a bit better, perhaps a bit more rewarding as well through the connections that they get to have with people that they probably haven't experienced before or not like that. 100%. I I completely agree with you. And, you know, in interviewing hundreds of practitioners, another core theme that emerges is the fact that um, security is not a technology problem. It's a people problem. And part of that people problem is communication silos is we talk about neurodiversity. You talk about different types of people, different types of mindset, different communication styles, how do we as business professionals who have the acumen and the seemingly seemingly have the communication swagger, if you will, how are we not helping them break down those silos? There's enough technology. People understand for the most part, the buyer's journey is set in stone. They have a set way of, of evaluating tools. So pushing more tools at them is, is counterproductive. So how do we break through that and actually help them solve the real problems, which are people problems within the organization? Communication between teams, understanding how different security teams operate. Yesterday, I posted about vulnerability management teams and product security teams. And given this shift to the cloud, like we're going to have to blend those two teams and other teams across the security organization more elegantly. And so... So those are things I don't think marketers are thinking about. Maybe that's an assumption. Maybe they are. But those implications are huge for us because that changes the way we do things tactically and strategically within organizations. And this is where I think founders, CEOs, CMOs, CROs have to start wrapping their brains around this mindset as well and, and, and these shifts and these issues that buyers are experiencing. When you double down on that, the way you do things changes. And as such, it becomes much easier to predict how much revenue you're going to bring in, how much opportunity you're going to bring in, how are you going to forecast, what are you going to do in the future, where our resources are going to be allocated. And so off on a tangent here, but there's a lot to unwrap here and a lot to continue evangelizing because it's we still have a ways to go. We absolutely do. And even if we feel like we're being repetitive sometimes with the same topics, that doesn't mean that Everyone has heard it. Definitely not. We, the, like you mentioned, like the community is huge. Even if we're surrounded by people who share our principles and values and, and invest a lot in evangelizing these things, talking about them, teaching to others, putting a lot of themselves into this kind of work, that doesn't mean that we're reaching like even half the industry. 
second of all, even if people hear about it once, that doesn't mean it's going to stick with them. I actually encourage the, the people that I work with and even the companies that I work with to be repetitive in the sense of talk about the same things, perhaps not with the same words, but repetition actually helps solidify and, and just helps people remember some things. And it makes it, again, easier for them to actually walk away with a consistent, well-formed idea. And that's not something to, to be afraid of, in, in my opinion. So yeah, definitely a long, long way to go in this industry. <laughs> to your point, I think that repetition and, and the consistency in, in the message, not just towards you know, practitioners and buyers, but internally is, is required. And, I, and it's funny, and I'm going to repeat this because this, I said this on a different podcast, but somebody had asked me, well, how do we fix this problem in the industry that we're facing, which is a huge divide between practitioner and, and marketer, or let's just bucket marketers, sellers, and vendors, and the way things are done. And I said, well, we as marketers who believe in a different way of doing things have to communicate this time and time and time again internally, because it's hard, especially for those of us who, who aren't necessarily like in the C-level seat, right? I don't know that I ever want to be in the C-level seat within another company apart from my own. But if I'm going to try and persuade a CMO, a CEO, a CRO to do things differently when they've done things for 20, 30 years a certain way, you can't say it one time. You have to continue educating them as well in order to make that shift. So it starts with shifting and convincing ourselves time and time again that we have to change then convincing the people closest to us and then convincing the buyers. Totally agreed because there's a playbook for the old way of doing things, but there's no playbook for the new way of doing things. I mean, you're, you're kind of putting one together for people with, with your research, with the sessions that you do on LinkedIn, with what the fuck did I just read, with everything that you do, you're kind of putting together this playbook, but this playbook is different in the sense that it offers principles. And a lot of examples to, to build on, but you have to do the work yourself because there's no one who can actually do it for you, for your specific company, for your specific context, for the people inside your company and outside. Because like you mentioned in that LinkedIn post that you also talked about earlier, it starts with how people communicate in the company. Because if there's like, if people don't have the skills and the openness and mindset to talk between themselves, like how are they going to do that externally? <laughs> it, it, it starts with eating your own dog food and practicing what you actually preach so you can do it for someone else. It doesn't work if you just claim to do things, but don't actually walk the talk. So there's, there's a lot of that going on. And something else that you mentioned that plays into this conversation that I really thought was so, so thoughtful was the fact that you talked about being transparent about intentions. And I would love to know how you use this when you talk to technical pros, uh, whether they're cybersecurity specialists or IT pros, how do you get their trust and how do you get them to open up by offering this transparency about your intentions and, and you know what's going to happen with the things that they tell you perhaps in a vulnerable moment as well? It's pretty straightforward. I just lay it out how it is. At the end of the day, I know 
specifically, I won't be able to persuade them to buy my solution. It's as simple as that. I know that the best way for me to get business is for them to come to me. Let's just start that. It's the realization that I cannot push anything on them because even if I do my research, I still don't know in depth what their state is. What are they going through? I I just don't know. They're on the other end of the world or on the other end of the screen. I need to, to figure that out. Second, it's like, hey, lay it out how it is. I'm here to get to know you. You seem like an interesting person. Your role, honestly, is right up my alley. You're the type of person that I want to talk to. You're the type of person I want to learn from. I don't have all the answers. I want to learn from you. I need a little bit of feedback. And then I, I, I frankly give them a, three options. Are you in? Are you in but later? Or are you out? That's it. Like no harm done. No hard feelings here. I'd say in the beginning when I started this, leading with, with that kind of message, the acceptance rate was much higher. Now, you know, my network is getting bigger. I'm reaching more people. I'm doing a little bit more. I'm more aggressive in the quantity of people that I want to speak to. The connection rate is a little bit lower. That being said, I'm getting more no's, which I love. I love no, because that's also an opening for me. It's like, okay, well, you don't want to come on. You don't want to talk to me. That's cool. We're still connected though. And have a great day. Hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll touch base soon. And I know that if they said no, they've at least responded to me and I can continue a conversation in a different path. Cause I still have my finger on the dial. I'm still looking at what they're doing. I'm still listening to them. They post, by the way, these are people who are active about what they want to say online. Like I, I've only follow active people online because that increases the chances that they'll potentially connect with me and we'll have some kind of conversation and I'll learn about them. The people that say yes, like, yeah, I'm in, maybe not now, I'm in, but these are the stipulations, I'm in, let's do it yesterday. Awesome. Because I I don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. Even if you you bucket them into some kind of ideal customer profile or persona or, or segment, those are generalizations. You don't really understand the psychographic data that you have to pull. You don't understand the behaviors. You don't understand the personality. There are personality types too. I just simplify, you know, just simplify it and state exactly what it is that you want. And they know at the end of the day, they look at profiles, they know at the end of the day that you're trying maybe to sell them. But when you lead with clear intention of what you're trying to achieve, and if you under, first of all, if you understand what you're trying to achieve, and then lay it out for them very clearly and honestly, the chances of you penetrating through to have some kind of conversation are much higher than going straight out with a pitch or, or with a connection. Hey, I'm interested in learning about you and then pitching them after they connect with you, right? So, which is very prevalent in, in, in outreach. So does that answer your question? It does, it does. And that's definitely the case. It, it, like, I mean, people flinch even before hitting accept. They anticipate the pestering, the intrusion, the overwhelm the pushing us, they, they anticipate everything. People know whenever a, a marketing tactic or a sales tactic pops up and all the tech bros jump on the bandwagon and with their case studies, like here's how we a thousand X whatever. And then everyone starts doing that and they burn through it horribly and it just becomes the dumpster fire. I mean, we've seen that so many times over. 
I keep wondering, like, why do people still fall for this? Why do people still do this? This is gonna like this is gonna be over in a in a month because cycles get shorter and shorter as the intensity and the volume grows. I fell for it yesterday, unfortunately. But I, I did want to add this isn't you know only unique to LinkedIn. This applies also to just meeting people in in person at events and networking mixers and you know dinners or parties or whatever. Like if you're generally curious, that's gonna take you a lot farther than the superficial, I just need to get my job done and I need the the target. You know, people are not targets. People are not, people are not numbers. People are deep. People are dynamic. You know, you have to kind of wiggle your way through so that you're, they remember you to some degree. And it's funny because I, I, you know, now that I'm here in the United States, it's like I'm able to meet more people in person when I lead, lead with those intentions in person as well. It's incredible how how that translates back digitally. Like people reach out to me afterwards and say, "Oh, hey, you know, it was great seeing you." You know, I before I could even say, "Hey, it was great." You know, I came to see them, but they're thanking me afterwards for for coming to see them, and I didn't even yet get a chance to reach back out to them. They thank me afterwards. So, like, that's the impact of being clear with what your intentions are, and it's so so powerful. So powerful, but to to be clear and honest about what you're trying to achieve as a person, and also have that alignment between what you believe in and what you actually do and how you do it. People sense that. Everyone senses that. And and then now that it's just like you mentioned, when people meet you in person and they feel, I know how this sounds, and I know that people who are very pragmatic and like data driven will not like the idea of people can feel your energy, but they can. <laughs> this is the reality of being a human being. They can feel how you're coming through, even on video, even online, even in live sessions and recorded sessions over Zoom, whatever it is, people can actually feel if you're genuinely interested in them and their work and contributing and doing something helpful. And if you're truly personally invested in the industry. And I was wondering, seeing your involvement in the community now, before 2016, 2018, when you actually joined the industry, did you have this kind of involvement in your previous industries? Were you as connected to the community beforehand? I was not connected to the community beforehand because I wasn't spending enough time with customers, if at all. I was so buried in tactics that weren't moving, the trivial tactics that weren't moving the needle, that I had absolutely no time whatsoever to invest in customer research and in interviews and in getting to know buyers. I, I was never sent to events either. And if I was, which was maybe one or two, because I was the I was the digital marketer that had to sit behind the keyboard and manage the campaigns remotely. If I was sent, it was to man the booth. And by the way, I never had any education as to how to do that well. Well, that's a whole other topic that we could drill down to at some point. But I was not invested because I was just buried in these tactics that did not move. And that's what—that's when I was fed up. It was in the industry security um, space. It's like, oh, I, I know how to do all these great things. Like, I'm super good at operations. I'm super good at analytics. I'm super good at you know website conversion rate optimization. Super good at making websites and writing and doing all this great stuff. But it was a waste of time. Because none of that mattered. 
to the actual buyers in the in the industry. Like a lot of like specific social tactics didn't matter. The, the way things were done are, were different. That's when I was just like, okay, I'm this isn't working. Something needs to change. All right, let's go talk to customers. Oh, but customer success isn't giving me the time of day. Sales has their own agenda, and you know they don't update notes with the types of questions and, and answers that I need to. You know, like they're they're not marking what I need to know. You know, CMO is busy <laughs> figuring figuring things out, right? CEO is busy. I maybe have five minutes a month to to talk to the CEO. So who do I talk to? Buyers? Like, well, nobody's giving me again access to buyers. Go do it yourself. Talk to the industry. And that's when things just open. Like my whole life changed. My whole life changed, leveled up, understood things differently, started succeeding, metrics started changing, success started pouring in. And so really, it was a life changer once I started getting close to the community. I wish I did it much, much earlier. Well, it's important that we find our tribe whenever that happens. Whenever that happens, perhaps there's a reason we need to go through these stages. We need to understand and feel that frustration and that pain of things not working so that we feel motivated and determined enough to find a better way or to understand why things aren't going. Because I feel like when we're, it's the kind of boiling frog situation, if we're in lukewarm water, if we're in a lukewarm environment, that's not going to be painful enough to create the need for change. And perhaps the reason why we're having this conversation and why you're doing the work that you do is that the cybersecurity industry is in a moment where it's starting to feel the pain of things not working. And there's this need for change is it generalized? Not yet. Do we still need to talk about this problem and to offer solutions? Absolutely. But I feel like we are nearing that inflection point, that moment of change or moment of lift where things can start to, when this new way of doing things can can become the way that we actually do things around here and be something that we're all proud of. I think also it's we're at a point where Maybe I just see it more clearly because this is what I do on a daily basis. But we're at a point where where practitioners are speaking up more. You tell me, have you seen a difference between the amount of people talking about the issues on the vendor side, on the marketing side, on the founder side versus like five years ago? Because I, I see it much more prominently today than ever before. They're so much more vocal about it. And they're also vocal, well, they're vocal about all the things that are wrong with marketing and sales approaches. They're also vocal about the things that they feel are wrong in their specific line of work, how certain people do things. They're, they're investing more time in, in talking and posting and writing and recording videos, which is something that I appreciate so much. It's such an invaluable resource for everyone because it shows like, oh, wait, there's a better way of doing things. Oh, wait, there's like, I can still build a company with my type of thinking and principles and still be able to like build a thriving business, but I can do it my way. I don't have to do like the, the usual way, the usual kind of company. And yeah, I definitely see a lot more of that. And now that you mentioned it, I feel like I'm getting increasingly more excited that this is happening and that we all get to benefit and learn from it. I, I say I save all of it, by the way. I love it. Oh, man, I should as well. I should. 
I'm I'm trying to thread the thin line between being a hoarder and actually acting on the information that <laughs> I see and read. Fortunately, I've done I've done the work for you, and I'll share the repository when it's done. So. Oh, whoa! That's yeah. That's like, the product, by the way. It's a, it's a research hub with all of the insight, qualitative insight that I've collected throughout the years, distilled by Rings of Insight. That is just fantastic. It's. Again, like if if you're listening, well, you're obviously listening to this episode and I'm, I'm talking to the person who's listening right now. Go back to Danny's LinkedIn and go over like all of the things, see which resonate. Every time that I, I go back a few posts, I open six tabs with your posts because I want to go back to them because one like sparked an idea that I want to write about or do something with. And it's just, it's, branches out into something that's so energizing and, and so inspiring. Like you put me in that creative doer mindset where I want to just feed off this great energy that creating stuff and putting it in people's hands gives me. And I know I'm not the only one who feels like this because I share your posts with the people that I work with and with my clients and they're always get excited and they always like, oh my God, that's so good. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So when we talked about being pragmatic, practical, prescriptive, it's that particular approach that I'm trying to take. Because as you can tell, like this is the actual case that you're validating for me is like when you do that, it's much easier for people to apply that to their job and inspire them to do something. The best advice I got was listening to P. Playa, who said, the people and companies that are going to win are the companies that are as prescriptive as possible. Look at him. He's been super prescriptive. He's, well, he's built out training agency on conversion rate optimization and, and customer experience. So when you apply that practicality to, to what's needed, it affects change. And that's what we need. We need to affect change. We need the progress. We don't need theory. We need progress especially in the security space. Through all of the work that you've done and all of the changes and transformations that you went through in the past couple of years, which seem to have had this like unifying effect on your personality, how do you feel that working in this space and doing the work that you do, how has it changed the relationship you have with yourself? I'm a much uh, stronger believer in myself you would talk to me four years ago, you know, and I was trying to break out of my, my own echo chamber and break out of my own imposter syndrome. Let's just say I wasn't as confident as I was today because I didn't have a lot of the answers that I needed to get the job done. But I don't know why I doubted myself so much. And I think it might have been because of, you know, stigma or stereotypes that marketers perhaps don't have a seat at the table with a technical audience, which is so far from the truth. I appreciate myself so much more one, because of the validation I'm getting from the industry and people are, are, are you know, letting me know that, that what I'm doing actually helps them. So, you know, it in turn intrinsically feels good. But secondly, like I, I know what my calling is now and, and that's to help other people who are in the same, who are or were in the same spot that I was in a very painful spot where they didn't have the evidence and they didn't have the resources to get the evidence to do their job well. I mean, obviously there's still a lot of work to be done, but I'm much more confident and much more at ease, I'm much more enjoying what I'm doing and happier with, with the outcomes 
And that has a huge impact on on where you place yourself, uh, how you interact with people, the vibes you give off and rub off on people. Um, I know people tell me I'm a, a very energetic person. When I say energetic, not like hyper, but like I, I give off energy. I just hope that others will break out of that cycle of imposter syndrome and, and break out of their echo chamber to empower themselves more. I love this part. I love this part so much because when you're in a rough spot, when you're trying to change something, when you're trying to figure out what you want to do, how you want to contribute to an industry, how you want your career to look like. And there are so many, it's so easy to fall into this comparison trap and and look at people who are thriving and doing so many things and look at yourself and, you know, berate yourself and put yourself down it's so helpful to have this this honesty and this vulnerable example that you shared that shows you that on the other side of the struggle and of putting in the work and undoing, you know, the sitting with the uncomfortable stuff and digging deep, on the other side of it, there is that sense of reward and progress and self-trust and just becoming better friends to ourselves, which is really one of the most difficult things to do in life in general, simply because we live in the kind of environment that we live in, the kind of society that we're living in. So having that example is so not just heartwarming, but so invigorating and so refreshing. And and it just, it fills me with joy, honestly, to see people doing what they love and being able to share that with others and inspiring others to do the same for themselves, I just, it makes me so, so happy. I, I appreciate that. And I urge anyone listening who's, who's feeling a little bit of um, maybe skepticism or fear or hesitancy to put themselves out there. I mean, jo- join me, join, join Andra, talk to us, join our tribes. You'll be part of the at least 31% who are speaking to buyers, connecting with the community, um, learning about them deeply. We're in a smaller percentage because we do this on a regular basis, but I urge you to join us. It'll change your life. It might sound cliche or cheesy, but I'm an example that has changed my life. I'm in a 180 from where I was a year ago. And I was deep in my journey a year ago. So let's just say I'm in a 360 (laughs) from where I was two years ago, 180 for like completely different life because of that change and shift that I've tactically done. The inner shift of who we are as beings came a little bit later. We need to start there, but that will change too, which is absolutely refreshing and mind-boggling in a good way. It is. And I'd love to have this conversation again next year. Obviously, we don't have to wait like a whole year to do this, but I'd love to do like a part two of this and to reflect back on some of the things that have changed, some of the things that have stayed the same, because they all say something very deep, true, and meaningful about this progression, this natural progression of ours. So thank you for wrapping up with such a profound and and inspiring, I want to call it insight, but I want something more meaningful, but sometimes you don't have the perfect words for it, and that's okay too. It's a story. Hey, but do you know that... We spoke on my podcast over a year ago for sure. It was almost two years ago, was it? April 12th, 2022. Actually, it was before April 12th. So was it a year and a half? Yep, that's more. Shall, shall we bring you on for a 
continuation discussion, Nadra? Oh, wow. I would love that. Like, I, I would be honored. And I do have this in mind for Cyber Empathy to do a full season of part twos, talking to people who listeners have really enjoyed. So I, I'd be honored. And that's a promise that we'll do a part two of this as well. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Anytime I'm, I'm open to any conversation. But yeah, I, I appreciate you bringing me on and asking such thoughtful questions. I've been on a lot of podcasts and, and this is by far probably one of my f- favorite conversations because of how organic it was, you know, how deep we, we've gone on some issues, topics and, and feelings that, that we're going through as, as practitioners in this industry. So I appreciate you. Thank you for continuing on with this message and mission with Cyber Empathy. Thank you. Hey, congrats. You made it until the end of this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And if you want to get the show notes and see the transcript and get other resources, head on over to cyberempathy.org. You'll find all of the episodes there and resources to help you have a more comfortable relationship with technology and security. Also, if you want to contact me, all my details are on there and I'll see you soon. Bye.